0: Hello, all you fran not Finds, My name is Sienna, and welcome to Somewhat Panicking, a podcast that explores the pressure of having to achieve various goals before a certain age or time frame. This week, I'm somewhat panicking about having the perfect body, or at least better hair, better skin, a flatter stomach, leaner thighs, an outward glow, breasts that didn't sag, and an ass that is rock hard and so high you could put things on it like a shelf. I thought by now, at my age, approaching my 30s, I'd be super into fitness and healthy eating and would have transformed into this model-esque body shape where I'm lean in all places and fit into all clothes, but that is simply not the case. I also, for some reason, have forgotten all the past traumas of being incredibly harsh toward myself and having low self-esteem in terms of how I thought my body looked. It seems body image can be directly linked to age in which younger people have a harder time accepting the way they look, and that their body is different to other people's or what society deems as beautiful at the time. Looking back on diary entries I wrote when I was 18 years old, I found I wrote this about my body. Mirror, mirror on the wall, I'm definitely not the fairest of them all. Big ugly eyebrows, yellow crooked teeth, pimples, redness, oily t-zone, fat thighs, in capitals, hence the yelling, ugly tan, ugly UGLINESS. (laughs) UGLINESS. <laughs> now now, big eyebrows are in, and no one has ever called my natural tan ugly. If anything, people are paying money to have my olive skin colour, so it's funny how trends come and go and the standards of beauty are forever changing. I can laugh about it now because it sounds ridiculous and overwhelmingly harsh, although this really reminds me how much I hated the way I looked 12 years ago. And I look pretty much the same since I was 12 and never had a very much desired glow-up, the kind in which I take off my glasses, I don't even wear glasses, and become amazingly hot. Although that never happened, I think I'm overall a lot happier with myself and would never write something so disheartening like that again. A 2004 study published in the Body Image Journal found that body dissatisfaction was remarkably stable across the adult lifespan for women. Another survey done by Lifetime Daily found American women in their 50s are the most body confident, followed by women in their 30s, then 60s, and then a downward trend in their 40s where confidence is at a low. According to a 2018 article written on time.com, the changes women and their bodies go through midlife are arguably as drastic as the changes girls and their bodies go through in puberty. This can be attributed to a lower metabolic rate, The fact that many women may have had children by this stage, which has altered their body, as well as the introduction of varicose veins and breasts no longer being as perky as they were before. And I guess this all may be forgotten when body image is so targeted towards adolescence and thought to be the peak of dissatisfaction and instability in kind thoughts and self-nurturing. Women who are aged past these teenage years are left out in seeking confidence in the way they look, especially when there is limited representation in the media of how women look naturally at those older ages without cosmetic enhancements and or digital retouching of photos. Although I cannot go past the intense impact negative body image does have on younger people. According to the National Eating Disorders Collaboration, although eating disorders can develop at any age, the peak risk period for the onset of an eating disorder is adolescence. Adolescence is defined by the World Health Organization as 10 to 19 years old. In Australia, approximately 28% of males aged 11 to 24 and 35% of females also aged 11 to 24 are dissatisfied with their appearance. While females are more likely to develop an eating disorder, the Butterfly Foundation highlights that there is evidence to suggest eating disorders amongst males are increasing. Over one-third of Australians who experience an eating disorder are male, and 40% of people aged 11 to 17 with disordered eating behaviours are also male. More research is required to encompass the LGBTQIA community, although studies suggest people who are in this community are at a greater risk of disordered eating behaviours, and two-thirds of trans people report limiting their eating because of their gender identity. Social media has a lot to answer for in terms of perpetuating a standard of beauty that people fail to meet and therefore makes them feel bad about themselves, as well as aiding in the promotion of a body positivity movement that has been criticised in that it still leverages young, able-bodied, white women while forgetting black women, older women, non-able-bodied people and non-binary and transgender people. An article written in the Sydney Morning Herald in 2019 titled, Does the Body Positivity Movement Actually Promote Better Health? sums it up well in that there is still a tendency to focus on women who are white and traditionally beautiful, who are simply acknowledging their relaxed stomachs rather than being a genuine challenge to the norm. Body dissatisfaction, coupled with the use of filters and easily accessible apps to change the appearance of someone's face and or body, seen on social media, can influence the desire to undergo cosmetic procedures both surgical and non-surgical. Online UK newsletter The Independent states the average age of women having plastic surgery is 39, while the average age for men is 45. The most common surgery for women is breast enlargement, while for men, it is to reshape their nose, also known as a rhinoplasty. According to the Victorian Cosmetic Institute, the most common surgical cosmetic procedure worldwide is breast augmentation, while the most common non-surgical procedure worldwide is anti-wrinkle injections. With non-surgical procedures, I found an Australian cosmetic website that offers laser hair removal to people as young as 12, as long as, and I quote, he or she is mature enough to fully understand the process, expectations, and importance of aftercare. Most importantly, they must have parental-slash-legal guardianship. Also, the young person must truly want this themselves, and not as a result of pressure from family or friends. I am so taken aback by this because of their use of the phrase young person instead of child. That child is only 12 years old, and I'm also astounded that this company chooses to highlight the pressure from family or friends, but doesn't speak of societal pressure at all, especially with the increasing use of social media. To talk more about this pressure, I want to introduce Jess, a 29-year-old psychologist that has worked predominantly with body image and eating disorders, who, despite being clinically aware of the implications of negative body image, is not completely immune to the pressure society places on us to look a certain way.
1: I think that that seed is planted in adolescence and I'm not sure whether it ever really truly goes away. But certainly if we're talking about what ages might you be most vulnerable, I think adolescence through your 20s is a pretty big one you might still be coming to terms with what your body's like you're becoming a sexual being which means you're thinking about how your body is portrayed to others so yeah i think there's a lot more pressure at those ages but um also major life transitions i think you can become stressed and think a lot more about your body so breakups you know if you're going from high school to uni kind of after pregnancy um or after giving birth is a good one because your body is incredibly damaged um society puts a lot of pressure on these women who need to bounce back and become their former selves Um, yeah ridiculous yeah yeah so you you also may start focusing on your body image a lot more
0: Yeah, and especially women are getting pregnant now at later stages in life. So that body image is also being pushed back to later stages of life. So I think you're right in that it doesn't Mm -hmm. go away. The pressure starts to mount even later in life, depending on what you're going through.
1: Yeah, and maybe just becomes different. Like maybe it's no longer about having kind of a ripped body, maybe it's about having perfect skin or maybe it's about um, presenting yourself in a certain way. I think we're always thinking about how we come across. And I think in terms of like, what ages are people less affected by body image? I think it's when you're quite grounded in in what are the other things in your life that you really care about? Like, and, and how secure do you feel about those things? So if you're feeling good about motherhood, you're feeling confident in it, you're feeling you're doing it well, if you're struggling a little bit more with that identity that role um if you're struggling with self-worth in general you might want to get that from somewhere you might want to get that from improving your body image did you ever
0: feel by a certain age you'd have the body you desired if you actually did ever desire
1: a certain body Um, when I was a teenager I I definitely had a lot of thoughts about changing my body or that I needed to get a certain kind of desired body I didn't necessarily have like um, a date I needed that by like by 20, I need to have this. (laughs) It probably just became a stronger fixation when other things in my life weren't going so well, like going through a breakup or feeling really stressed with like uni transitions or something. But I do remember when I got engaged, I was very aware that other people have this thing like, I got to shred for wed or Mm. I need to diet and change my body size before my wedding. And I was just so anti that. I was like, there better be no one who fricking comments on like my body or needing to have a diet or needing to exercise more. Like I definitely didn't want to get sucked into any of that. So I remember, you know, wedding dress shopping and saying, "Look, whatever dress fits now, it's fine. Like I don't need to change my body in any way." But that being said, like I did focus a lot on skincare, and okay. I paid for a lot of facials, and I'm like, my 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 skin has to look the best it's ever looked by my wedding day. So maybe I wasn't completely immune to it. I just I I didn't think about my body necessarily. And I know we kind of talked about it before.
0: I found it really interesting when you mentioned to me that 16 was the age where a lot of people, that's the kind of body they desire or that's
1: the kind of look they wanted to achieve in life this phenomenon of like the body that I have at 16 should be the body I have always. Like, yeah, yeah no, I, 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 encounter that a lot people who I guess they're, they're teenagers and they, they don't want their weight to change. They don't want their body to change still. And your body's still going to change. You're going to, your hips are going to probably become wider. You're not going to be as taught in certain places. And you know, you're just, you're not a child anymore. I think, yeah, now it's changed even more with social media. I think kind of, you know, 12-year-olds and 13-year-olds have Instagram and stuff and they're kind of sexualizing their bodies in certain ways just by making an object and branding themselves like, this is my body, have a look at it. Yeah. Um, So I think it's, yeah, becoming even younger and younger. It probably was, you know, 18, maybe 50 years ago or something.
0: Yeah, it just seems a bit strange, but I guess there is always that desire to look youthful or, or be youthful or even that kind of child stage of life is the most magical and imaginative and creative and maybe mm. there are certain aspects of having a younger body has that younger mentality and that magic that surrounds
1: it. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of evolution, isn't it, that we we want to be younger, to to be desirable, I guess. And I hate saying that, like mm-hmm. that we're thinking about in that way, but I think it, it is bred into us so that we, we think about that. And even we were having a conversation the other day about like eyebrows. And I mentioned like I've been doing this thing where I comb my eyebrows up and I'm like, I don't know why I do it. It just makes my eyes look lifted. And that's a good thing, right? Um, okay. And I realized later <laughs> that's, that's because you look younger with lifted eyes, right? Where if you have naturally downturned eyes or hooded eyes, that's an, an aging thing, like, oh, that looks older. And it, it clicked to me later. That's why that's a trend. That's why this whole fox eye thing is a thing. And there's been a bit of
0: controversy surrounding that because the fox eye trend tends to make, I guess, white women's eyes more look like Asian women's eyes. And now mm-hmm. this fox, fox eye trend is a bit of a slap in the face, saying that now those eyes are beautiful, but not on Asian
1: people. Mm yeah we'll we'll take the features that we like that's the same with um african culture like you know having big lips for instance that wasn't necessarily um a thing that was um craved in white western culture for a long time but in the last 20 30 years like the bigger the lips the the better right
0: with the whole i guess we've talked about that age no matter what age you are body image seems to follow Mm-hmm. and it 's either going to get worse or better depending on your life situation, but do you think men or women are more affected or both equally
1: I, I think there's there's two things going on there like I think women and men are both equally can they can be equally dissatisfied with their bodies right but I think that when women have so much more pressure to look a certain way because naturally we've been told we contribute less to society, your body image becomes more important. So the fact that we have less voice in politics, the fact that we have less CEOs, the fact that historically, we've been told women are there to be seen and not heard. This inflates how much you feel your body image contributes, as far as you know, what you can give society and it's horrible it's, it's what the patriarch has brainwashed us into thinking about like focus on your body image when a guy feels bad about his body image he still knows that he can be successful Like I mean you know some of the most powerful awful men in history have been big fat guys right <laughs> like yes think about have think about Harvey Weinstein <laughs> Horrible man, ugly, ugly. <laughs> but he was incredibly successful. Very true. Whereas you don't see many powerful women leaders that strongly go against, I guess, body idealization and norms. So I just I feel like it's not the same. Definitely, guys get a lot of pressure with body image, um, a lot more now with social media. Whether it's to be tall, muscly, have full hair. But I I just think it's going to impact women differently when women are still not fully equal with men. I think I made it a little bit
0: simplified in men and women when there's a whole transgender community and non-binary
1: people to think about also. Studies show actually that the transgender community experiences eating disorders like 10 times that what... um, cisgendered people would go through i think because they are trying to change their body they are genuinely unhappy with a lot of parts of their body and they're trying to find a way to accept or be happy with with what they have so it's 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 a lot more of a struggle and the process can be really hard, like just the the hormones you might have to take and, and the changes that inflicts on your body. It's not always the changes that you want or you sign up for. I saw this post on social media about like what you think taking testosterone will do for your facial hair because transgender people transitioning to, to male, they want, they want a beard, they want facial hair around there, but they may not get facial hair on their face, they may get a lot more hair on their back or they may get a lot more hair kind of on their legs. And um, it may not be what you signed up for. So it's, it's not a perfect process either. You're still going to be coming to terms with things that you might not, I guess, necessarily prefer about your body. But speaking
0: of social media, we touched on mm. it a bit before and now about how it impacts body image. But how do mm. you think it's impacted on body image in general.
1: Now we have social media on us all the time. And if we see people posting on social media, we think it's realistic. We think it's achievable. Where it's not a lot of the times. It's clever marketing. People like the Kardashians and their Jenners, they're using, you know, a ton of Facetune. They're getting their photos professionally edited. Yeah, it's, it's really, I think messing with our perception of what do people look like and with the whole filters and face tune and all of that
0: I remember being younger and looking at magazines and someone kind of telling me that like oh but the pictures in the magazines they're edited but they kind of told me that in a condescending way like as if you don't know that like it's obvious <sighs> but it's not obvious mm. how do you know mm. how much someone's been edited and then you I would personally get it in my head well it hasn't been edited that much they just look so amazing like if they didn't edit it would have been a tiny thing and it really surprised me how many people not celebrities just ordinary people will use facetune and will make themselves look completely different what do you think about the body positivity movement
1: well my yeah my read on body positivity is that it's, it's just not achievable for a lot of people. So, I mean, I if you can feel confident, love yourself, own all your features, even if they're considered flaws by others, that's amazing. I love that. But I think for a lot of us, it's, it's not achievable. We know our bodies get critiqued. We know there are idealized features and it's understandable that we can't completely separate from this we so you know i can say that i'm I'm fine with my jiggly thighs, but I know that jiggly thighs are not the the thing that people go to the gym and seek after <laughs> so i I think kind of body neutrality is is far more I guess achievable ne- neutrality doesn't mean you're never happy with the way you look or that you never focus on the way you look. It means that neither good nor bad outweighs the other like. I have days where I wake up and I'm like, hey, yeah, that looks cute on me. I like that. I'm, I'm happy about that. But I also have days where I'm like, oh, I don't feel really good in this or my pants feel really tight, or, oh, my God, my stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, but neither outweighs the other. That's, that's what I mean by neutrality, that, that you come to a balance, not that you have no negative thoughts about yourself, not that you have no positive thoughts about yourself, but that you find some kind of a balance. And I think it's it's better in some ways in that it's still promoting the message that your body shouldn't be that large an indicator of your self-worth. Like, you don't need to focus on it that much. You can focus on other things in your life. You can focus on your other amazing qualities, not just how your body is aesthetically pleasing or not. So I think body neutrality also lends a lot more into just body gratitude. Be grateful for what your body does for you. Like, I'm, I'm grateful that I'm healthy. I'm grateful I can do a yoga class and feel strong and persevere. I'm grateful that I can take rest and be compassionate towards myself. Like, I, I don't need to feel amazing about how my body aesthetically looks in order to do those things. With that kind of body neutrality that you talk about do you
0: think that kind of thought process is inclusive to everybody you know any any gender any race any age especially with the body with the body positivity movement a critique of it is that it's is incredibly ableist in that it looks Mm -hmm. at people that aren't in wheelchairs or can move you know Mm -hmm. in the stereotypical fashion that society Mm -hmm. deems normal or
1: whatever I met someone actually who um, does a lot of photography for brands, and she does a lot of photography for like ASOS Curve or something like that, like bigger, kind of bigger size clothing, basically. She told me that pretty much all the models who are these, you know, models of body positivity and embrace your curves and embrace, you know, your body if it has, is at a bigger size, she told me pretty much all of them get liposuction in their chin neck um jowls because it's pretty much impossible to be curvy and not have fat around your face but that you won't get booked as a model if you do have fat around your face so like oh it's okay to have fat around your body and stomach but you have to be tall you have to not have cellulite and you also have to have a gorgeous like petite face and, and strong jaw or whatever. And I was so shocked by this. I was like, <laughs> what? Like we're being sold body positivity, but it's still so cultivated. It's still so elitist. It's still so unachievable.
0: With those models who are deemed curvy or they're of another race, I look on different um, fashion websites and I'm starting to see they're just using the same model. It's not really about diversity. It's one person is another skin colour. They're curvy and therefore we're going to use them across these fashion brands because they just fit that. But we're not going to bother to look for other people who may look similar.
1: And even with some of those diverse models, they're, they're still so like exceptional in a way. Like they're they're so tall um, or, or their figure is still so like beautifully hourglassed or something like it still doesn't feel like it pushes the boundaries that much. Yeah, so even with diversity, we're still seeing that there's so many things that you need to check off and it's so, I don't know, it boxes people in.
0: And then with liposuction, what are your thoughts on cosmetic surgeries?
1: Yeah, I, I'm very torn about this one. Like, I, I sometimes hear the argument that what's the difference between you know that and getting your hair dyed or your teeth fixed? And I think, yeah, okay, if if someone wants to change something and it makes them feel better, why the hell shouldn't they be able to? And there's a lot of cosmetic surgeries that you know are done in a way that I think is ethical and really changes someone's life, which is amazing. But I can only speak on, like, my thoughts about what I would do on myself. And, and I feel so conflicted. Like, if I was to make a decision and change myself, I'm already saying that what I am right now is not good enough or, or not acceptable. So I think if even if I did change something, I'm... I'm living this life where I said me genetically by myself was not good enough and potentially some of those surgeries they're either permanent or you know there's complications but it's I think it's a really tough one. Um, I think another thing that's really problematic is that there's so many surgeries now like people are getting their earlobes reshaped. Like how the hell could your earlobe be so bad um, <laughs> that you need an earlobe reshaping? And, you know, one of the most common surgeries for young women now is like a labioplastia where they're targeting an area that you would think, you know, isn't on show all the time. <laughs> it's a fairly private area. And, you know, even if you're highly sexual and you want to feel confident um, in, you know, your genitals and what they look like, if, if you have a partner that, that rejects you on the basis of that, that's not great. That's not a great sign of a partner. And apparently it's all because of how much porn we all watch now and, you know, unrealistic porn.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think I only realised maybe in my mid-twenties how different vulvas looked I just I just never really considered it. Like I knew what my own looked yeah. and then I just thought that's the way they look. And then yeah, I kind of started right. looking at, I think I found an article where it was, they showed close-up pictures of different women and I was like, whoa, I had mm. no idea. And then I remember speaking to a male friend about his sexual encounters with women and he's like, oh yeah, they're so different. He's like, even the way mm. they they secrete fluid. He's like, it's so different. Everyone is so different.
1: I was like, I had no idea. And I mean, we're taught that about penises, right? That penises greatly vary, greatly vary in size. Their balls might be different. The hair might grow differently, whether they're circumcised or not. Like women are also trained to know that penises are different. Genitalia is different. Um, So the fact that, again, we we feel this pressure to reach this idealised kind of projection of what a vagina should look like, I think it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's so much pressure that you need to address even down there. I don't want to like body shame anyone or shame anyone into like you had a surgery. That's a bad thing. You need to accept yourself. Like I truly don't believe that. Like I think people just need to be really informed about why they make the decisions that they make. I think they need to be aware of the risks and you know, each to their own. Like I I'm just, I'm just so ethically torn about it. I don't know whether I could ever do a surgery. Yeah. If I could, I would definitely get bigger boobs. Sure. <sighs> That is also a very common one. From someone that has bigger
0: boobs, bigger boobs (laughs) can be very annoying. They have downsides. Mm. One, sagging. I guess if you get a cosmetic procedure, though, they wouldn't really sag. But I was talking to my friend just yesterday about having bigger boobs. And we're like, we can't wear button up blouses. We just can't wear button up blouses. Mm. Like
1: the buttons, Mm. they're going to pop. And I was like, yeah, every top, every top looks slutty. There are times, there are times where I love having an A cup, like not having to wear a bra or some kind of being able to wear, yeah, most chop shapes and and feel fine about it and and not feel over-sexualized like you're describing. But yeah, like I I suppose if if you could change anything, you, you always think, what would I change? Yeah, definitely. Well,
0: especially with all that knowledge about cosmetic procedures and social media, And even just like, I mean, the amount of people I see on social media and they're like, yeah, I've had lip fillers and I appreciate their honesty, but I'm just like, whoa, that's just so many people have had something done Mm. and it's just crazy Mm -hmm. the things that you can have done. You can literally pick on anything about your body and there will be a solution. And where I'm also very torn about cosmetic procedures because... I know there's this one side of not shaming people and saying like, yes, you can do whatever you want with your body. It's about body autonomy. It's about personal choice. It's about being happy. It's all Mm. of those things. But then I think as soon as you're kind of saying that that's okay, you're giving way to all these these people that try to take advantage of other people and their kind of lack of self-esteem and unhappiness with how they look. You're you're
1: participating, yeah, you're participating in the discourse that says we need to look a certain way automatically. Um, And if you make that, if you make that choice and you know you're participating in that discourse and it's your personal choice, great. But I think a lot of people aren't aware that, okay, you, you do have another choice, which is to actively reject social norm actively reject the discourse create a new story that you know it's okay to be different and if people still choose to to make those choices and 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 do those surgeries or, or whatever it is they need to do um at least they know that they're doing it um i guess in an informed way i think also just knowing the complications like i saw a youtuber like tell her story about under eye fillers and and you can get you know filler in the under eye to you know create not so much of a dark shadow under your eyes but the amount of complications she had afterwards and like lumpiness and like weird irritations
0: yeah right yeah you don't really see the the fallout of what happens afterwards you see just a very Mm -hmm. small snapshot of yeah I look amazing now and I'm going to show you when I look amazing what is your advice on being happy with the way you look? Or we talked about body neutrality before. Is it too much mm. to ask to be happy? Should you just be accepting? And is there a difference between happy and accepting?
1: I think if you can be happy, certainly if you can be happy about parts of yourself, yeah, like try to try to expand that, try to strengthen that. I don't think you have to be happy with everything. I think it's actually incredibly unrealistic to be happy with everything. Um, I think it's all about just having balance Um, and, you know, diversifying where you find your worth um, in a bunch of aspects of your life. So don't just find your self-worth in how you look, find your self-worth in what kind of a person you are, what kind of a friend you are, what kind of, you know, what, what you contribute to society, what meaning you make of your life. Like, just make sure, you know, you don't have all your eggs in one basket, (laughs) And you know when we when body image is occupying too much of how you judge yourself, we know people feel anxious or you know depressed or shameful about the way they look. So I think we we just need to have a, a more diverse basket, <laughs> particularly women who are trained to focus on that a lot more. I think actively focus on the other things, actively focus on you know what you're contributing rather than just your
0: looks. Well, what do you do when, say, you're an influencer and the way you look is your brand and is your job basically and is what you put out into the world? What do you do then? Because that is a huge basket of your life. Mm -hmm. That's that's basically your role, your job.
1: Yeah, well, I think kind of, you know, there, there are influencers that actively talk about how being an influencer and um, perhaps not being happy with their body does cause them a lot of anxiety and um, depression and, you know, they need to seek help for it. Um, I think the, the social media influencers that, that do the best are the ones that are either actively working on being happy with themselves or accepting what it is, the way they look. Um, even if they they make changes. The ones that are very transparent about the changes that they make, like, hey, yes, this is a photo I'm posting. Yes, there is a filter or yes, I'm wearing, you know, five tons of makeup. I think, you know, being transparent around, yes, I look like this now, but um, this is a process mm-hmm. and this doesn't have to be achievable for everyone. I think it's so in women's nature
0: to downplay the whole process of making yourself look a certain way. Like if it was a guy that had to spend three hours putting on makeup or whatever, however long you're going to work on yourself, they would talk that up. They would play that up Mm. and say, you know, look how much effort I put into doing this. And it's very Mm. women's nature to kind of be, just quiet and like, no, I just, it, it was no, like, no, it's not an issue. It was no mm. effort. Like, it's okay. I just look like this. Yeah. Oh, good. Or there's that whole kind of, you should look natural. So here's my makeup, no makeup look. And it's like, what? Mm. You're, you're wearing mm. makeup. That's not natural. And that's okay. Like mm-hmm. you still went through a whole process to look quote unquote natural. And also with guys as well, how they'll say to women, I guess they think it's a very innocent comment, but it's like, yeah, I just I like when you look more natural, or I like natural looking women. It's like, well, mm. what what is that? It's natural to a point, but then it's like, but still do yourself mm-hmm. up, like be natural, yeah. but, but do your hair, be natural, but have clear
1: skin. Yeah,
0: and and that's
1: why again, like it's so hard to attain. It's so hard to attain what's the good enough for women what's the idealized standard yeah I think yeah you're, you're, you're screwed if you engage in it <laughs> you're you're screwed if you don't like I I just I honestly think it's it's better to to reduce how much you care about it mm-hmm. like you were talking about with with motherhood like if you can find something else in your life that you really care about and you know it it guides you it gives you worth it doesn't have to be motherhood it can be anything it can be having a, a hobby that you love it can be your work it can be you know spirituality it it could be anything just find something that you really care about in life that makes you feel good
0: as i get older i hope i'm not so harsh on my body as i was when i was 18 years old and can remain body neutral if i'm leaning towards unhappiness with my body and the way i look for writer rebecca torsig author of the book sitting pretty the view from my ordinary resilient disabled body the appeal of body neutrality is understandable She says the body positive movement doesn't put people with disabilities and other marginalized bodies into the foreground. Body neutrality, I think, has the power to be really useful in particular to people with disabilities, especially those with chronic pain or people with diagnoses that are progressive. Those people are pretty frustrated with the demand to love their bodies when they feel betrayed by them. Being neutral could feel like a relief.